0: Good morning, church family. We have so much to be thankful for, and I haven't had a chance to tell you this in a while, and I really would rather uh, tell you in person while you're right here in the seats, uh, but i just got to tell you, I love you. I really do. And I'm so proud and humbled to, to be one of your pastors and to serve alongside of you in this very interesting time in the world in which we live. And like Cheyenne said, I'm just amazed that though the building, you know, has been kind of locked down in some ways, uh, the church has not been closed at all, that you have been serving and sharing and moving and giving generously in so many ways, and the world is a better place. In spite of everything going on in the world, uh, the world is a better place because of you. And and I'm very thankful for you. I just want to tell you that this morning. I love you. Uh, I'm praying for you continue to pray for your church as we move forward, you know, seeking the ways that God can use us uh, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this ever-changing, sometimes crazy, but again, it's a very directional, purposeful world in in which we live. So, uh, hey, I want to begin in prayer here with you, and uh, then we're going to dive in. Uh, God here we are again your your daughters and your sons and we still find ourselves a little frustrated some of us because we cannot assemble together in the same room and in the same place but God we are thankful for the miracle of technology We, we are grateful for minds and for skills and talents who have developed the means for us to convene even like this God and it just reminds us God that the church is not the building but that your people are the church that your people are the body of Christ and God, I pray for the body of Christ, uh, that you would encourage them, that you would uplift them, uh, that you would uh, let them have meaningful relationships at the right time with people, even as they, some are really working hard to be saved because they need to, because the compromised places in their life, God, in their soul, that, but uh, in their body, even their physical health, but, but that all of us, God, would find meaningful relationship with one another and with you. And God, we pray for those within our church family who grieve and mourn. Uh, There is much to mourn and much to grieve. Uh, There's a lot of suffering in this world. There still is suffering in our community uh, from the uh, continued, it seems like God, of of deaths of young adults way before their time. Uh, There are those that are mourning because they cannot gather to have funerals or memorials to honor and celebrate and grieve even those that that they mourn who have gone on to be with you. And God, you know the state we have in in our nation and, and the racial Uh, questions and the relationships and and the police, men and women who have given their lives to serve in so many different ways and just, wow, just just all the pressure that's being felt in in our nation. But we turn to you, God, and we ask you to speak a word this morning uh, to each of us to help us have a better, stronger mindset so we can participate in the solution and not be a part of the problem. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have Bibles there close by, you're going to click on your phone. You're going to find the book of Philippians. We're going to chapter 4. Uh, we are in the fourth week of a message series that we are calling Mindset. Now here for a moment, let's kind of recalibrate on a few basic things that we know. We know that the mind is a battlefield and is going on uh, in about every mind. Every mind is going on. Uh, we know that most of life's battles are one. And lost in the mind. We know that if we cannot control what we think, we cannot control what we do, how we treat other people, our behaviors, how we live our life. We know that if I have, I I cannot have a positive life if I have a stinking negative mindset. Now, we've been studying the past few weeks the, the teachings of the Apostle Paul, uh, who knew a lot about the mind and about our thoughts, and he writes here in uh, Philippians of some words to the believers in Philippi while he is in Rome, uh, not as a teacher, but as a prisoner, and he has some thoughts he wants to give them, kind of as he kind of wraps up this letter, and we're going to pick up here at verse 6. We're kinda, this is a very familiar passage. We're taking a little deeper dive here this morning. Verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, emphasis on every, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, right there where you are, say peace of God, say it, peace of God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds, say minds, guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, here it comes, think Focus on, meditate on such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, put it into practice. Uh, That's what we're here to do, right? We're here not just to hear the Word. We're here to do the Word, to put it into practice. And here's the last line, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, when I was my growing up in the church of my childhood, we did something called Pastor Peace. I bet some of you did that too where you would walk up to someone there in the same worship space and you'd step across the aisle or the pew or the chair or whatever and you'd kind of say, uh, Peace be with you. And they would say, And also with you. And you'd have them, kiss them. when I was in high school, that's when you got a holy kiss, right? Uh, yeah, you're always looking for the girl to sit by when that time came in the worship. But we can't do that right here because we're all spread apart and, and we've kind of progressed beyond that. So if there's someone in the house right there, wherever you are worshiping, give them a high five and say, get you some God peace, right? Give them a high five right now and say, boom, 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 get you some God peace, get you some peace. That's what we are here about this morning. Uh, We want everyone to get the peace of God in their mind and in their heart. Now, I wonder how many of you admit uh, that sometimes your thoughts run away from you. I mean, you just have these runaway thoughts. And these thoughts run and they run and they run and they turn into this cycle of worry and fear and anxiety. Uh, many years ago, I was mentoring a, a young pastor. And uh, he was experiencing a lot of frustration, a lot of worry, a lot of fear and about how to lead his church to a very challenging situation so i 'm mentoring him and uh, helping him kind of deal with it. And we wind up telling some stories learning about his past and he tells me about a story that he, w- he was a child, that his dad and the whole family was going somewhere the dad was driving, and, and apparently some of the driver did not approve of his father 's driving. Have any of you ever had someone not approve of your driving while you 're driving you know and they tell you there's only only one way to heaven. Uh, That's probably happened to me uh, more times than I would like to admit. So he kind of gets that sign. There's only one way to heaven. But but, but instead of just going on, uh, that guy follows them. He's in a black van. He follows them. They pull into the driveway of their house. The black van pulls up, parks the car right between the road. The guy jumps out of the car, marches up and runs up there to his to his dad, and just boom barrels right into the guy's dad. Now it just so happens uh, this young guy's whose baby then, a child then, dad, also a pastor, and he was messing with the wrong pastor because that pastor, a young guy, he proceeded to lay hands on that dude, if you understand what I'm saying. I mean, he laid hands on him to where he didn't want any more hands laid on him, and he turned, and he ran and jumped in his black van, yelling and cussing and giving out and drove off in a screech. So the mother takes him in the household, gathers the kids around, saying, now kids, uh, we now know there's a man out there. Uh, in a black van and he knows where we live and he does not like your father and uh, he has anger issues he has a short fuse so anytime anytime you see a black man come by i want you to run in the house and lock the door so sure enough, while he was growing up, every time a black van would come by, he would run home, lock the door, and crawl into the bed. And so now some two decades later, any time that he would see a black van, his heart would kind of start racing, and he would go into defense mode, like, I got to get ready to defend myself. And that kind of explained why when he walked into my office that day, he was so nervous because years ago, all this was going on. I drove a black van. In our house, we affectionately called it the Black Beast. And he saw that coming in, and he was just—I uh, mean, how many of you would admit, right, that you say, that you have triggers? That you see something, you smell something, uh, you you touch something, and all of a sudden, it's a trigger. And you go into this cycle of fear, of worry, of anxiety, and it just starts running and running and running. Like maybe for some of you, it started off in high school, right? You are in school, and you were, had to study for an exam. It's a big exam. You start going, wow, if I fail this exam... I won't get into college, and if I won't get into college, nobody will marry me but some crazy person, and if I just marry some crazy person, I'm going to have crazy kids. Oh, man, that's just going to be terrible, and we are going to get to a time where they're going to need braces, and they're going to need have a car, and that's going to be expensive. They're going to want to go to college, and the only college they're going to go to is where there's sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and methamphetamines, and guns, and it's going to be terrible and awful, and it's going to be expensive, and I'm still paying for my college debt, and I'm going to be having to pay for their college debt, and then you stop and go, oh my, i got a headache i got a headache. Oh, I must have a tumor. I'm going to die. I have cancer. And all of a sudden, you're going to die <laughs> because you had a thought that you weren't prepared for an exam. I mean, how many of you would really admit that sometimes your thoughts just get so crazy, so all over the map, that you really don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're thinking. They're just out of control. Uh, this morning... We're going to talk about worry and the mind. And our foundational principle, I want to remind you of, our foundational principle is this. That your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Let me say that again. Your mind is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Now, that is a good thing. If... Your thoughts are focused on what Paul says what is noble, what is true, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, or excellent, or praiseworthy. That's good news. It's bad news if your thoughts are always taken to the cycle of worry, fear, and anxiety a cycle that doesn't please God, a cycle that takes you out of the game of life and is not helpful to the quality of your own life and your own existence. Why? Why does this happen? Why do you and I all of a sudden just kind of, ah. So I want to teach them things about the brain and about the mind and how the mind works, about why and how this sort of thing's happen. Now, the first thing you want to write down there in your message notes, I'm going to put on the screen as a part of the brain. It's called the amygdala. Say amygdala. Say amygdala. Amygdala. Now, the amygdala is this God-sized, this God-designed part of your brain that's like a little almond shape. It's very small. It's very small. And the purpose of that thing is to help you survive. Whenever you feel fear or afraid, that, that means that the, uh, the amygdala amygdala is in full gear. It's doing its thing. And it's wired to help you survive. So you will go into flight or our fight mode, you know, if something's happening you, it's dangerous, right? And so you're, you see something that is dangerous, right? It's something that's not healthy for you, and the amygdala kicks in, and it shoots this adrenaline to your body, and you either run or you go and hide, such as uh, you step out onto your patio early in the morning, and you see this right here, and you see this venomous snake, and you go, ah, and you either fight or you flight, or you're in your car, And you're driving, and you sense someone texting themselves into your brain. The amygdala kicks in and says, swerve and get out of the way. Or uh, you wake up in the middle of the night, and you hear a noise. Boom. And you wake up, and your first thought is either, i got to get under the bed, or I'm going to grab the lamp and prepare to defend myself. That is the amygdala doing its job to protect you and to help you survive. Now, here's the problem with the amygdala. Uh, the amygdala is not objective. Its sole purpose and function is to protect and keep you alive. Now, that is okay most of the times, but God knew that could get into trouble. So, God gave us another part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is the logical part of the brain. It is the part of the brain that steps in when the amygdala gets out of control, and you're just kind of panicking and all over the place, or you're fighting and all over the place. That's the job of the prefrontal cortex, such as uh, you are in bed at night, and uh, you hear this sound, and you wake and, and the amygdala tells you, You're gonna die, <laughs> right? And, and the prefrontal cortex says, No, no, you're not gonna die. That's just a cat, right? It's just a cat. And then the, then the prefrontal cortex is gonna say something like, well, Okay, now, uh, logically, what are we going to do about the cat so we can go back to sleep? And uh, probably you're going to do what you should have decided to do a long time ago uh, uh, to prevent a cat uh, from scaring your amygdala uh, <laughs> half to death in the middle of the night, and from doing other cat problems that you know that we all know cats cause. Uh, uh, all right, but 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 the amygdala sometimes it can just shoot you to these places of ah, and the prefrontal cortex steps in and says no everything's going to be okay. Because sometimes your amygdala is programmed so much that you see a black van and you get out of control. Now, some of you, uh, you have been programmed in your brain because some of previous life experiences as a child uh, things that your parents said into your life, a grandparent said you have a culture, a teacher, someone, triggered that when you have a certain sort of experience or a smell or a memory, all of a sudden you just cycle. Into this place of worry, fear, and anxiety because the amygdala takes over and just sends your brain and your whole body into convulsions, into this pit of hell. And some of you know exactly what I am talking about. Now, let's look at the scriptures and think for a second. What does the scripture have to say? And first of all, what does the scripture not say? Okay. Uh, Jesus did not say let your hearts be troubled. (laughs) He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Uh, The angel at the the birth story did not say, glory to God in the highest, worry, stress, and anxiety to all the people on the earth. No, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. And the apostle Paul, uh, the apostle, but Paul didn't say, hey, listen, listen. Be anxious about everything. What did he say? He said, be anxious. In fact, he said, do not be anxious. Uh, Don't be anxious about that big test you got coming up. Don't be anxious about that big certification, that big thing that's in front of you. Don't be anxious about that job interview. Hey, don't, don't be anxious about your future spouse, even though you don't have any prospects on the horizon. Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation, every situation, uh, even that financial situation, uh, e- e- even that addiction situation. Even that parenting situation with the kid that's left the reservation. Even in that marital situation you find yourself stuck in right now. Even in your mourning, your grieving situation over the death of a child, or a loved one, or someone very... says, say, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, what are we going to do? By prayer and petition, with thanks." giving we're going to present our request to God and then it goes on to say and the peace of God which supersedes which transcends what doesn't make sense in the prefrontal cortex any understanding it makes no sense will guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus what are we going to do First message point I want you to write down. First thing, we experience the peace of God through the pathway of prayer. Let me say it again. We experience, is What what Paul is saying, we experience the peace of God through the pathway of prayer. A prayer is very simple. It's very simple. It's just talking to God, but it's also listening to God. Now, unfortunately, I hear people say stuff like this. Well, oh, my goodness, things are going so bad. Oh, my goodness. things, Man, I, I guess the only thing we have left to do, the only thing we can do now is pray. And I want to go, really? Oh, oh, the only thing we can do now, and I, I can picture God saying that. Okay. So, so you tried everything. I mean, you tried everything, and now as a last resort, now you're just going to come to me and ask me to step in. Really? Is that the way it is? You think of me last And somebody says, hey, pastor, are you telling me that all I have to do is pray? Just just pray. And all of my worry and my fear and my anxiety, it's all going to go away. No, I'm not saying that at all. But here's what I am saying. Prayer is not your last play on defense. Prayer is your first play on offense. It's the very first play. You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have access to the throne of grace and all the resources of heaven at your disposal. In John 14, 14, Jesus himself said, hey, listen, uh, ask whatever you want in my name, according to my will. Just ask, you know, and it's going to be done for you. Uh, James 4, I mean, he says this, James 4, 2, he says, hey, you do not have because you do not ask. You have been invited by the creator of the universe, the king of the only kingdom that will last forever, to come to him and to ask him for help and assistance in your life through prayer. And when you pray, you have an audience with the king of the universe, with your heavenly daddy, with your good, good father. And the good news is this, prayer. Uh, God not only hears your prayer, uh, your prayer doesn't only move the heart of God. Uh, God's not just going to respond to your prayer, but prayer changes you and me. Number two in your notes, prayer changes the chemistry of my mind and my brain and helps renew my mind and my brain. It changes the chemistry of my brain, changes the chemistry and helps renew my mind. Now, for decades, neurologists have believed, uh, decades ago, believed that the brain was fixed. You grew up to a certain age, and when you became an adolescent, that the brain just kind of stayed. Tra- trade fixed, it was stuck, and, uh, you, and you put information in it, but it couldn't grow and new. But we know that's not true. So let me teach you a couple of new words. Another word's there, I'm going to write this down neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. And that is a term that reminds us that the brain is continually evolving. Is continually growing. It's continually rewiring itself. That's why a couple of weeks ago we talked about neural pathways. That when I think a thought, it becomes easier to think that thought again. And the more I think that thought, the wider and deeper becomes that neural pathway. Now, that's okay if I'm thinking good thoughts. But the reason that some of you, please hear this, the reason that some of you get stuck in worry, fear, and anxiety as your first response when something happens, you have deepened the neural pathway of stinking thinking of things that are not true that are not of God. It's a place that we get stuck. Now here is a another term I want to teach you. Uh, you have to write on the screen to write it. Neuroethology, neurotheology, or spiritual neuroscience. And spiritual neuroscience is the study, it's a study of the of the impact uh, on the brain when I have a belief in God. It's an impact on the brain that when I pray. About what happens when I pray. And what we're learning is that when we pray, we have all the study, this is scientific research, that when we pray, my prayers don't only move and touch the heart of God, but my prayers actually rewire the neural pathways in my brain. We're gonna put a quote on the screen from a book that I've been reading called Switch On Your Brain by by Caroline Leaf. Can we put that up there, please? Uh, It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent it can be measured on a brain scan. Think about that. That you pray continuously for several days for a short period of time, go get a brain scan, that your brain actually can begin to change and rewire itself now we know this is true because that when you think toxic negative thoughts it hurts the brain but when you think the truth of God and you pray, it rewires and transforms the brain. That's why Paul says in Romans 12, chapter 2. What did he say in Romans chapter 12, chapter 2? Uh, we're going to put it up here on the screen for you. I should have it memorized. I think I do somewhere. Uh, be not transformed by the ways of this world, the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, the Word of God transforms the mind. The truth of God in prayer, listen to his words, heals. Prayer can heal the negative neural pathways in your brain. So the question is why? What happens? Why uh, do we find ourselves stuck? Why do we find ourselves in this series of worry and fear and anxiety, worry and fear? I mean, I believe in God. I, well, it's, it's called the uh, amygdala hijack, the amygdala hijack. It's when the amygdala, that little small little part of your brain, it takes over everything, right? And so something happens, and the, the amygdala says uh, something like this. It says, Panic! survive, save yourself, prepare yourself for the worst-case scenario. It's bad. It's going to get worse. You don't have time to pray. You don't have any time. Just save yourself. Forget about everybody else. Don't think about anybody else. Save yourself now. Fight or hide. Woo. Anybody ever experienced that? That's the, the amygdala hijack. Or or a neuroscientist would tell you, or the Apostle Paul would tell you, that is your sinful thinking, your stinking thinking dominating your mind. It's taking control of your mind. So uh, what is worry? Into the cycle of worry. What is worry? In your notes number three. Worry is the sin of not trusting the promise and the power of God. Let that sink in. That's going to hit somebody right in the face. Worry is the sin of not trusting the promises and the power of God. Here's what worry is. Worry is saying, God, I don't think you're big enough to handle this. Worry is saying, God, I don't trust you that you can do this. I'll just worry about it and fret about it myself. But instead, the Apostle Paul would say, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm not going to let my sinful thinking, my sinful nature dominate or govern my mind. I'm going to let the logical part of my brain choose the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is eternal. I'm going to choose choose to believe with the logical part of my brain that God's Word is true. I'm going to choose to believe that. And I'm going to let my brain be led by the Spirit, not by the amygdala. The Apostle Paul puts it this way over here in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 5. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, here it comes, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life. And what does it say, church? Life and what? Life and, life and, life and peace. In peace. So, uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, I, I, I am going to demolish. That's why we say I'm going to demolish every stronghold. That holds itself up against the knowledge of God, every pretension, every argument that's against the knowledge of God, and I'm gonna capture every thought, every thought that is not true according to God's word, and I'm gonna make it obedient to Christ. Instead, instead, instead of letting my sinful nature, my sinful mind, my sinful thoughts dominate my mind, Uh, I am going to let the logical part of my brain choose to follow the Spirit. I'm going to choose to believe that God's Word is completely and totally true. And I'm going to choose to allow the Spirit to lead my brain. Because I am not going to let my sinful thinking sabotage my life and take me out of the game. Take me out of life and put me on the sidelines because I am not a slave to fear. I am not going to be governed by it. Instead, I'm going to choose to let the Spirit lead me. Because the Spirit's not going to lead my brain uh, into worry and fear and anxiety. The Scripture says the Spirit is going to lead me to life. is what it says. Verse 6, Romans 8, life and peace. You see that? Man, the Word is so good. So how is how, that going to happen? There's a lot of ways it could happen, but here's one way of doing it, okay? Uh, some of you right here, uh, you can get, get, get your box, and uh, this is, I, I encourage you to think about doing this. Get your box, you know, put on it worries, and put on it, God. And here's what many of us do, right? Uh, we go, oh, God, 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 I, I, got, I got all these worries, I got all these worries, and, you know, I'm going to take this worry out. God, God, I got this worry, I'm going to take this worry, God. And, God, I'm going I'm I'm to give... Uh, Excuse me, right here we got a an instant here. Here we go. Here we go. God, God, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take that word. I'm gonna give it to you, God. I'm gonna take my worry, God, and I'm gonna give it to you. And I sit there and I go, Are you gonna do something with it, God? Okay, God, I can't do this anymore. Boop, boop, and I take it out. I take it right back out. I say, God, I got it. I got it again. That's what so many of us do, right? So many of us, we give it to God, we put it in there, and then we take it back. Watch the problem. I think I already kind of revealed it. I, re- I revealed my hand. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that your God is too small. Your God is too small. You need to get a bigger God, and you need to get smaller worries. you got to trust that your God is bigger than your worries. So what are we going to do? You're going to get you a piece of paper and you're going to write it down. You're going to write down whatever that worry is and you're going to put it in this box. Some of you need to do this. You need to get a box, put God on it, send the presence of God. Have that box sitting right there in your house. You write down something, you put it in there. Maybe it's your 17-year-old kid, right? I mean, they're driving you crazy. Or maybe it's the 12-year-old or the 13-year-old. You're gonna write. maybe maybe it's your bills. You're gonna put it in there. Maybe you're gonna write it down. It's the fear of your future. You're gonna write it, put it down. Maybe it's something about a relationship. You're gonna write it down. And if you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you decide that you want to worry about it, I want you to get up out of the bed, go into wherever this box is, don't have it in your bedroom, and I want you to go and take it out of the box and say, God, I don't trust you with this. I don't think you're big enough to handle it. I'll take care of myself. What does the Scripture say? The Scripture says, no, I'm going to cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. And not only that, I'm just not going to give him my worries. I give him my life, and I'm hidden through Christ in God completely and totally myself. Whew. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Uh, you're thinking, okay, that's just living in denial, uh, when the bills come in, you can't pay the bills, <laughs> and the bill, and you really can't pay the bills. Yeah, how's that going to work for you? Church, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that you just don't give it all to God, and you don't do anything. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, here's number four on your message notes. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do uh, what I can do, and I'm going to give to God what I can't do. And then I'm going to trust God no matter what. Let me say that again. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to give to God what I can't do. And I'm going to trust God no matter what. Uh, I'm going to do what I can do. Uh, If my health is a problem and I'm having issues with my health, uh, I'm going to go to the doctor. And listen to what the doctor has to say. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat right. I'm going to work the plan. I'm going to do what I can do. If I'm in financial bondage, I'm in financial trouble, uh, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to go take a class. I'm going to learn how to take out a budget. I'm actually going to learn how to spend less than I make every month. What a novel, incredible idea, Right? Uh, if I have a test, a big certification, a big thing, i got an exam or something coming up, I'm going to study, I'm going to study, I'm going to work, I'm going to work. I'm not going to play that video game. I'm not going to watch all that TV. I'm probably not going to go out and hang out real late all night long. I'm going to study. I'm going to work. I'm going I'm to do what I can do. And then I'm going to give to God what I can't do. I can't heal that person. I can't control what they choose to do. I can't solve all the problems in the world of all the other world, all the people in my life. I can't do that. I'm going to do what I can do. And I'm going to give to God what I can't do. And I'm going to trust God, no matter what, no matter what the outcome is, that God's got it, that God's big enough, and he's got me too. Here's our principle, remember. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Where are your thoughts Taking you to dysfunction, to worry, to anxiety, to stress, to wow, or to life and to the peace of God. I don't mind telling you, there have been many times uh, I've shared this that I, I look at my life and I wasn't all happy with where my thoughts were taking me. You know, I have all these thoughts start popping into my head, and you've heard me talk about this uh, more than once, and it's just real. Uh, no, you'll never be good enough. You'll never measure up. Uh, you'll never meet the expectations. You know, these messages, they really don't make any difference at all. It really doesn't matter. You're never going to get better. Hey, hey when, when you open up the building, nobody's going to come back. They've all gone other places. They really don't go. All these sort of thoughts going to my head. What am I going to do? No. I am not going to let those thoughts take me out of the game of God's will and God's plan for my life. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to capture those thoughts. And I'm going to identify the truth. The truth that sets me free. I'm going to write it. I'm going to think it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to think it until I really believe it. I'm going to write it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to think it until I believe that it's true. For me, it goes like this. I've shared this with you. Jesus is first in my life. I exist to glorify him. I, I love my wife. Uh, She's first in my life. I will lay down my life to serve her. My sons and their families, uh, they will grow in the love of God. As I learn to love them with God's love, even more they will. I am disciplined. Uh, I, I believe the best in people. I believe the power of Christ does dwell and live in me to overcome any stinking thinking I have in my life. Uh, I am following more and more and more and more in love with Jesus every day. And because of Jesus, my family, my family is learning to love each other better and to love people better and to make a difference in this world better, that because of Jesus, I know I am made in the image of God. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. That means I'm creative. That means I have the resources of heaven at my disposal. I don't have to be worried. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be afraid. I am not a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That means I can bring my best always. Even when I'm not at my best, God can take it to a higher level. And I know that this world, uh, this community, my family, This church is going to be better because I was present and God used what meager gifts I have to make a difference in the world. I will not let worry, fear, and anxiety take me out of the game. I'm a child of God. Now that's me. What about you? What is it in your life that's just taking you out of the game and paralyzing you to where you can't function? Uh, You can't be the husband, the wife, the mother, the father, the the employee, the coach, the teacher, the student that you need to be. You're going to write it. Uh, You're you're going to confess it. Uh, You're going to think about it until you believe it's true, the truth of God. Hey, you're not a hostage to your stinking thinking. You don't fight with the weapons of this world. The weapons you have have divine power to demolish strongholds, to take captive every thought, every thought that's not true of the grace of God and make it obedience to Christ. Hey, worry is not your master. Say it right now. Worry is not my master. I trust God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, even of the prefrontal cortex is guarding my mind and my heart in Christ Jesus. Hey, I want you to say it right now. I am not a slave to my habits. I am not a prisoner of my addiction. I am not a slave to my fear. I have been delivered from the powers of darkness into the kingdom of light. I may not be able to control what happens to me, but I can control how I frame it. It may be ugly. It may be terrible. I don't have to frame it there. I can frame it right here because I know that God is good. Hey, I'm not going to define who God is by my situations. I'm going to define who God is by the goodness, my situations, by the goodness of God, that I know in my mind that God is good and God is for me yeah and I'm gonna bathe everything in prayer. That's what he says, right? I'm gonna bathe everything in prayer. I'm gonna present all my requests to God with petition and thanksgiving and the peace of God will guard my mind and my heart in Christ Jesus. Uh, church, uh, your mind, it's the battlefield and the only way you're going to win the battle is to invite Jesus to fight it for you you capture the thought let Jesus replace it with the truth because when you know the truth the truth will set you free Is there anyone here this morning worship just wherever you are that you just raise your hand and you would say that you have some worry, you have some fear and some anxiety that sometimes it's just a cycle in your life that just holds you captive, that grips your mind, that grips your spirit, that paralyzes you? Is there anyone here this morning, anyone worshiping here later on in the week who's hearing this later in the week and you just stop right where you are right now and say, God, that's me. That's me. God's thinking, thinking. Has taken over my mind and my brain, holding me hostage. But today, God, I just make a declaration that you have charge of my mind. Your truth, your thoughts, your ideas, your grace, your love, I submit to you and I receive from you. And I declare right now, I declare I am not. I am not. I am not a slave to worry, fear, or anxiety or stress because I am a child. Of God. i no longer. talks about having the mind of Christ, uh, you become aware you're a child of God, and uh, that it's possible you can actually have the mind of Christ. And the question is, who is Christ? Well We call him Jesus. See, Jesus was fully human. He was also fully holy. He was fully divine. Uh, he is the son of God, Jesus was. And the world couldn't handle how good his mind was and how pure his heart was. They couldn't handle him, and so they killed him on the cross And they thought that took care of it. But on the third day, when they went to see where he was buried, he wasn't there. Because God had raised him from the dead. I mean, just raised him from the dead. Why did God raise Jesus from the dead? The Bible says because whoever believes in him can be saved. Saved from their sins. Saved from their stinking thinking. Have the mind of Christ. But also... For your future that you would have a direction that you could live for something more than just yourself for a bigger purpose so this morning or this evening whenever you're watching this or later in the week if you would like to receive the mind of Christ it just begins by just right there where you are repeating after me God I want to begin a journey with your son Jesus I need Jesus in my life. I want to learn more what it means to be like him and to have his mind. God, I need some forgiveness. I've got some stuff in my life I just can't shake. i got some stinking thinking about my past. I just can't let it go, and it just occupies my mind. I want to receive your forgiveness, and I want to give you my life. Not just my worries, God, but my life. That my life might be hidden, hidden in you. That when people see me, God, they see you. Uh, and I just want to take that step with you right now, God. And if that's you, man, that just makes my heart just go beat faster. Uh, just kind of make a comment down there. and maybe a way we can connect with you. You can call the church, 817-295-5832. Leave a message. If we're not here, we'll get back with you and just help you take that next step of baptism or just to talk about what it is to be a believer in Christ. Maybe you're not even sure if you believe in God, but I'll tell you, you may not believe in God, but God believes in you. Yeah, He believes in you. And to those who do believe, I just got one final word to say to you. Whatever you do, Don't stop believing.